0: So what's it like to tour across America on bicycle when you're obviously not white, especially during the last uh, election cycle? In this episode of PLP Talks, we're gonna talk with Molly Sugar and we're gonna go beyond the typical, shiny, happy pictures you see of people bike touring and bike packing and dig a little deeper. We're gonna talk about race and bike touring and bicycling. We're gonna talk about her group, Friends on Bikes, AKA FOBS, and how that started from a need to find a more diverse cycling group. This episode, like all the other episodes, is supported by listeners and viewers just like you. So if you're interested in supporting the channel and supporting this show, be sure to check out the show notes or the description in the YouTube video below. And this episode is also supported by Whitefish Bike Retreat. Learn more about them at whitefishbikeretreat.com. It's truly a magical place that caters to bike packers, bike tourists, mountain bikers, and gravel cyclists. You can either camp outside on their property or stay in one of their private rooms or bunk rooms. The Whitefish Bike Retreat also has a full on bike repair area as well as a small shop that lets you rent and buy bike packing gear so you can try before you buy. And there's also an amazing network of single track on property that connects to the larger Whitefish uh, single track network. So if you're passing through on your Great Divide journey or if you're just looking for a bikey place to base camp, definitely check out the Whitefish Bike Retreat. So with all that said, put on your earbuds, pretend like you're working at your desk. It's okay, we won't tell, and enjoy the show. Molly, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Yay. Yay!
0: (laughs) So I thought like a real interesting way to start off this episode would be to just jump in and talk about this passage that you have in a zine that you have on the Friends on Bike webpage. And the vignette is titled "Take Us Back," and in it, uh, you, you describe the scene where you're you're bike touring. You're in uh, rural Missouri. You and a, a friend, or a couple. How many people were there? Were there two other people with you?
1: Yes, two other people.
0: Yeah, so you're sitting at this diner, and then someone uh, comes up and he asks, "How long did it take you to swim here <laughs> from the Philippines?"
1: <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: and you <laughs> guys responded. I think you know pretty tactfully as, as as well as you can for that situation, saying you know you're not from the Philippines, that you were born in uh, from in Seoul, South Korea, and your friend Erica is half Japanese. And the guy just kind of kept going on and on, and finally you asked him to leave. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty. That's a pretty like uh, impactful like vignette there. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what was going through your head when that was happening?
1: Yeah, I mean it was definitely unexpected. But we did see his outfit. Um, So this was an older white gentleman, um, and he had a NRA hat, and he had a shirt about, like, the Confederacy. So just visually looking at this man, we knew like the words coming out his mouth would probably be really entertaining. <laughs> um, so like you you put up that sort of like barrier or wall, like in anticipation that something, you know, may be a little off. Um, but yeah, we were just eating lunch. You know, it was a long like ride that day and just another pit stop in like a random convenience store, uh, eating like our peanut butter and jelly snacks. Um, and yeah, this guy just comes up and asks us, you know, where do we come from? And you know, that question can be like very broad, and I've I've gotten that like many times. I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. And then um, me and my friend Erica, we didn't respond, and then he just kept rambling on about but you're from the Philippines and you like, how did you get here? Like you swam across and we're like, what? We're biking. Like we have bike clothes on like spandex. You can see like our helmets and like bikes outside. We were very confused. Mm -hmm. Um, but the more that we thought about it, like he was aggravating us. Like it wasn't a situation that we wanted to interact in and like participate. Um, so our other friend Meg, um, she, Promptly said, like, okay, you can leave now, you know, thank you. And then, like, he got the picture, like, once we were ignoring him, um, and he started walking away and bothering someone else about something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was definitely unexpected, um, but, you know, I wanted to capture that moment, like, in the zine to show that, um, with all the great moments, like, the entire zine is just filled with like great positive experiences of biking from Virginia to Oregon. But this one moment definitely stuck out and will stick out um, as a part of an experience I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to bring up because I, I feel like um, in most bike touring, bike packing, um, you know, literature or stories like, you know, these issues never surface. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of it might be, you know, the people that are arriving riding it tend to be to be white males. But right. That's not indicative of like everyone's experience. And it's kind of like mm-hmm. this this uh I wouldn't say a CD underbelly, but this kind of current that you know no one's really discussing.
1: Right. Um, and um at that time when we were bike touring, it was when Trump was running for president. Um, so we did see that like I like, political tension, like, especially going through, like, rural areas of America, we would see so many Trump signs, Um, we would, you know, it was always apparent that, you know, this was happening, um, Mm -hmm. and it was hard to ignore, um, and that particular year, but, yeah, it was part of, like, that bike experience across America, of like, yeah, we re-rode like when Trump was running for president. <laughs> yeah. yeah we... And to be honest, like, I couldn't imagine, um, being like a black female, like biking in some of those areas, like, and seeing all the Trump signs and seeing like NRA signs and seeing like Confederacy flags. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone takes in their own experience seeing that.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, talking with my friend, uh, Steph Ralph and we lived in Portland and she was describing her cross country experience and, you know, she was stopped, she stopped somewhere and this young black man, you know, started talking to her and, um, you know, she said, you can totally do this. You know, you just need like a cheap bike. You don't have to, to get fancy gear. He was like, no, I can't do it. And she, and it took her a second to register that it wasn't the equipment. That he right. was referring to. It was, it was all these other socio-economic uh, mm-hmm. things that was like, I, I literally can't do this. You know, it's not right. you know, safe for me. And I think a lot of right. people forget that when they mm-hmm. you know, when they see just the the bike touring stoke.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and that also relates to being like a woman. And like there are people who feel like if you're bike biking by yourself and you're a woman, like that brings on a different danger. Um, but Like, there are people that have done that before, and, you know, it's not, like, something that's, like, unattainable, but it is another layer that Mm -hmm. other people may not have to think about at all.
0: Yeah, 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 it's definitely not unattainable, but I think, like, for the most part, like, the the way it's represented in biking media is just completely glossed over. It's, like... For sure. It's kind of, like, a very Pollyanna attitude without kind of recognizing, you know... Kind of people's individual, personal experiences with it,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a very uh, multifaceted uh, way of traveling. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so this zine was this during the um, under twenty-five or the the, the young under thirty under thirty. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I rode with thirteen other people across America. It was a part of Adventure Cycling's under thirty group. Um, there's one person that was 31, <laughs> but we won't we'll <laughs> pretend they were 30. Um, but, yeah, it was the first time they were doing it. Um, typically, they don't have, like, an age cap for their cycling groups, but I think it was a special year. It was their 40th anniversary. Um, so it was an at-cost uh, trip, which makes it more appealing for young people who don't have, you know, the necessary means mm-hmm. um, to bike in a Yeah, with that expense, (laughs) Um, and yeah, it was a great crew. Um, Everyone was from all around the country. Um, A lot of the people were like transitioning from careers, like myself, or they're in school. Um, So it happened within two and a half months, and that also like appealed to like people like off on a semester. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had one tour leader, uh, and. One in the beginning Whitney actually who you interviewed yeah. <laughs> and she's she was there for the first few weeks and she's uh, kind of taught us the way of bike touring and like set mm-hmm. us off
0: <laughs> so of, of all the the people that went uh, were there many people that had gone touring before or was this you know a gen- generally new experience for them
1: I would say a hundred percent people, did not know how to bike tour. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> like there are people who bought their bike, like probably uh, within a month and was, we're still building it up like <laughs> right before <laughs> the trip, Right. Um, which, you know, that's the appeal of this. Like I had biking experience, um, biking in New York and I've gone on like one overnight but I never went on like an extended tour and then most of the people have never even done that um I think the appeal of adventure cycling is like you don't have to worry about the logistics which is like such a huge aspect of bike camping Mm um and you're within like a group so it's a little like safer in that Mm -hmm. sense Um, but we did, you know, even though it was a large group, we rode, um, in our own little pockets. Like some people woke up at like 4am, some people like me woke up at like nine. Um, Mm -hmm. and then we would set off and we'd have meals together, group cook. And yeah, it it was a great experience. And I'm glad that Adventure Cycling, um, offered that. And I think they, they are offering that again for next year.
0: Mm -hmm. How did you hear about it, and how did other people in the group hear about it?
1: Um, I think I just Google searched um, bike touring across America, (laughs) 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 and since they created the Trans Am, um, they were first on that list, and uh, I was looking to do it um, just myself and my friend, um, but the logistics were just too complicated for me to do on my own. Um, and he was like, yeah, I don't want to plan anything either. <laughs> so, so he went, he went along with my plan of joining a group. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I was really inspired by Venture cycling's photos from the seventies. And since it was going to be their 40th anniversary, I was like, oh man, I can't believe there are like thousands of people that did this mm-hmm. in 76 <laughs> and they all looked I don't know. They just looked really happy, and it just looked like a rad experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The yeah. photos from Greg are just fantastic.
0: <laughs> I love looking. Yeah, I love looking at Greg's old photos, and I think what's funny is like when you look at this old photos, some of those uh, the clothing and even some of the bike stuff is coming back in the fashion.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Short shorts and like the canvas.
0: Yeah, Yeah. handlebar bags, and...
1: (laughs) It's very, like, in, very retro, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what's your sense? Um, I know that they did that to kind of attract younger cyclists to bike touring. Do you think younger people are interested in bike touring?
1: I do. Um, They sold out of that group, which typically doesn't happen, um, to my knowledge, and... I think it was powerful for even solo cyclist groups to see our group um, because there are other companies that do this and the the other companies and groups that we saw were typically older and when they looked at our group they're like oh wow like we usually don't see that many young people bike touring (laughs) (laughs) and we're like yeah we're here um And, you know, I do think it's picking up whether, like, via, um, like, adventure cycling offering these things um, or, like, through social media, like, people promoting bike touring more. Um, And then even, like, within Oregon, like, when I organize some rides... Or have like a an event and ask people what they want to do. They're like, oh, I wanted to go bike camping. Like, mm-hmm. I've never done that. That looks cool. And I think just seeing that um, maybe just via social media or the internet, they're like, oh, wait, I didn't know that was a thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't just have to commute to work. Like, I can, you know, have fun in other ways. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, Well, let's talk a a little bit about a a group that you helped start, uh, Friends on Bikes. Can you just tell people that aren't familiar with it a little bit about it?
1: Yeah. So Friends on Bikes is a cycling group um, here in Portland and also in Seattle. And our focus is to get more women of color, uh, trans, femme, non-binary folks um, to go biking, whether that is um, bike camping or just um, being involved in social rides. Uh, We want to facilitate a community um, that promotes diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is a result of, you know, many of my experiences, whether it's like the Take Us Back experience or... Um, moving here from New York to Portland and realizing that there's not a lot of diversity here, and wanting to see like that facilitated within the cycling community, um, that's how the idea of Friends on Bikes came about. Um, mm-hmm. I started it with my friend Gerchel, um who I met um, almost immediately after moving here, and she's Filipino and. We rode together, and we were like, "Oh wow, like we don't see a lot of people like us writing like what's going on um, and we knew there are people out there. It's not like we were the only ones, you know, <laughs> uh so we wanted to meet those those folks,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: it's definitely like um, I don't think many people have that kind of feeling of like displacement." <laughs> Or not being like everyone else. I know, um, you know. I grew up in Los Angeles, and looking back, like, you know, I didn't realize like how diverse my, uh, you know, grade school was, or even to some extent my high school or or college experience, uh, until we moved to Portland, and um, now now living in Missoula, Portland (laughs) seems super diverse.
1: So, Where's your next stop?
0: <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we can, if it can get any less diverse than you. <laughs> but it's, yeah. yeah. But not
1: yeah, realize it <laughs> until it happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's strange because it's, it's something that didn't seem important to me until uh, I've gotten older. You know, I think when I was younger, it was like, cool. You know, we're all in the same gang whatever, but then now it's, like, I do, I'm, I'm a little bit more sensitive to, like, uh, in some ways, like, how different or how awkward I just feel around certain groups, because mm-hmm. there's no one else that, that is, you know, not white. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. yeah,
1: and I think that's, um, sort of, it can be amplified in the cycling community, um, because, you um, I don't know, cycling is pretty intimate, like when you're in a group, like you, the rides that I typically go on, like you talk to people, like you socialize, and you hang out, and you sort of have to be on the same like cadence and wavelength, and it's like a group synergy, and um, it is important to feel like you're accepted, and that um, you can see yourself with these these other people <laughs> but yeah it's something I also didn't think about um I grew up on the east coast right outside of Washington DC and the community that I grew up in is actually like the most diverse in the entire nation like if you google the town um and then moving to New York it's like you don't think about these things at all and I've had many conversations with friends in Portland that are like yeah I, like grew up in a big city or I grew up on the East coast and like, we just never thought about these things, but Mm -hmm. you know, like when it's not there, you do like, start to look around and realize, Oh, you're the only one in the coffee shop. That's not white, you know, Mm -hmm. and that can make you just like, be more, you know, Mm -hmm. aware of your surroundings.
0: Yeah. So how did, um, how did you first get into cycling?
1: So I really got into cycling at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia. Um, That's where I went to college. And there, it's like similar to Portland where it's like a small city. And the best way to get around is to bike. Also, my car broke down freshman year. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't have money to buy a new car. And biking was just the best way um, to go from class to work. And then I found a group of friends um, who also loved biking. And they would, you know, we would all get together, ride out, and, like, hang in the compass and, like, you know, get into trouble. <laughs> you <know? laughs> But they were actually the original friends on bikes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so all of us happened to be Asian, um, <laughs> just from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my friends, like, uh, just one day was like, we should be called friends on bikes cause it's also fobs (laughs) (laughs) and then we're like, yeah, let's do it. And that was like our crew name. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like every cycling group comes up with like their own little crew name Mm -hmm. and that was ours. Um, And I still keep in touch with them and we go on rides. They still live on the East Coast, but we go on rides and we still call ourselves friends on bikes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think having that community of, like, friends really helped me, like, love biking Mm because it just, like, made cycling such a fun experience. Um, Yeah. So So I don't know if I would have been here now without them.
0: (laughs) So if you didn't have that group of friends that, you know, we're diverse and into biking, and your only experience to biking or bike touring was what you see in the media. Do you think you'd be interested in it at all?
1: Um, Probably not. I mean, I did move, it's sort of interesting, like I did move to New York, and even though there's a lot of diversity within the small cycling community I was in, there wasn't, (laughs) and I was a little turned off um, in joining some groups. And um, I think also, again, like moving to Portland, I didn't see a lot of diversity in some of the cycling groups, and that's why I wanted to create my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I don't think it would have been um, as a fun experience if, you know, I wasn't with Mm -hmm. the friends I had in Virginia.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's straight. I mean, for me personally, it's like when I look at um, you know the the bike touring, bike packing Instagram now. um, Like if I weren't, if I wasn't already into it, and that's all I saw, I don't think it would make me interested. Because I would just be, you know, I I think I'd respond, you know, that's cool, but it's not for me. You know, I don't see myself in there at all. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, visibility is powerful, and um, not only like, in your own town of, like, biking with friends who, um, are diverse, also, like, on the internet, like, nowadays, especially when, like, media has power, and, yeah, I do think it's really important, and, like, we try to take a lot of photos on our rides and, like, post it on social media, and, um, we have had people reach out to us from other cities and be, like, oh, hey, like, I wish this was here, and, Mm -hmm. um, it's like to be seen is like really power powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's strange how like that simple of an act um, can affect people. Because I know like when I'm mm-hmm. you know, flipping through the feed, you know, when it, it, it's it's sad when I see like a non-white person bike packing or bike touring. <laughs> like it right. makes me like stop scrolling and like what's going on.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you for know? sure.
0: And and that it's weird that that's my kind of like default like reaction mm-hmm. to it you know, like yeah. all of a sudden that, that's abnormal when, you know, yeah, I'm not white and, you know, I do it, but it's, it's just a strange internal conflict. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, and then once you do find that person who is like different, you're like, oh, I want to be friends with you. Let's <laughs> go ride bikes. And like, you try to like seek them out. Um which I think is another cool aspect of the internet is like once you do find people, like you can connect and you don't feel as siloed or alone. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's talk a little bit about the WTF uh, Explorer Summit. Um, so I think we've spoken to a bunch of people. About...
1: <laughs> like half, half the crew. Half the
0: crew. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what um, what are you looking forward most to? about it?
1: Uh, I think it's a similar sense of the friends on bikes group is that like we're allowing people who are unrepresented to be represented um, within the bike community specifically bikepacking and bike touring um, which is women trans femme and non-binary people and I think having a, a space of in Whitefish, like such a beautiful area and having people just, um, riff on one another and collaborate and learn. And I think having that, I'm just like really looking forward to like meeting all these people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I'm also excited about the ride series because I, you know, it's not, um, attainable for everyone to go to Whitefish. Um, well first of all the only like 150 people can fit there <laughs> like physically yeah but having the ride series within different regions i think that's gonna be really cool um so yeah we're gonna have one in california to so, like vermont to oregon and we also want people to start their own um so that's we have that like in the works and um I think having like a nationwide sort of like mini movement mm-hmm. is going to be really cool. cool. Yeah.
0: So do you do you know what the structure of the ride series is going to be yet? Is it going to be like a, a bike overnight or like a day ride or a series of day, of day rides?
1: Yeah. So it'll be one each month um, in a different location. And it'll be um, around two days, two to three days, um, a little longer than an overnight. Um, and, well, it'll be free, um, and we're gonna be hoping to facil- facilitate some education, like, if it is your first, um, bike packing experience, um, we're not gonna, like, have a super hard, difficult ride,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and, yeah, we're still working out, like, the actual routes, but, um, Sarah Swallow is leading that, so... They're gonna be rad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah. think she
0: knows something about root planning. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. Yeah.
0: Cool. So for the actual event, are you going to be um, leading any sessions or?
1: Yeah. So we sent out a survey um, in the past two weeks mm-hmm. uh, asking. People, what they wanted to see at the summit. You know, there's only six of us organizers, but it's we want it. You know, to be open and like we want to serve, like to have what people actually want to attend. <laughs> so, um, we had a, like a long list of different sessions and workshops there. Um, a lot of people want to know about backcountry uh, camping and riding, um, and also. A conversation about race you know that is on the table too Mm -hmm. Um, and then um, how to bike solo a bike camp solo that that was also like at the very top and advocacy Um, so there's like a a a good mix of things um, and we want them to be like workshops and presentations and also like hands-on experiences
0: Mm -hmm. so what's the uh, reception been Great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, Lots of people excited?
1: (laughs) I think so. Uh, We've gotten a lot of positive emails, like personal emails about, like, you know, we're really stoked that this is happening um, and just on social media. And, yeah, overall it's been really positive. Um, I... I'm waiting for the negative. <laughs> <laughs> it can't just all be 100% positive, but yeah. um, for the most part, it's been really good. And I think it's, people have been commenting on like, you know, it's kind of been overdue. Like this has been needed and it's great to know that like, we are like representing people who feel like their voice needs to be heard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's say, uh... What do you think the um, the bike industry could do better in terms of representing others? Like if you had a magic wand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's uh, having more diverse voices like uh, in stakeholder conversations. <laughs> like, There's only so much you can do if you're in a room that is not diverse. Um, And I think that can go in many ways, like, of just, like, asking people um, through a survey or just, like, asking um, committees or, like, other folks, like, hey, like, what is your opinion? You know, what can we do? to be better, um, Mm -hmm. I think that could go a long way. Um, It does seem like from the outside, like there's like a wall of like what happens like behind the scenes. So what's like, you know, presented to folks. So Mm -hmm. um, breaking that wall down,
0: Mm -hmm. I think
1: is a great first step. Um, And like, I think calling people out has been helpful for people in the bike industry. Um, and like, I think we've seen this on social. Like, if someone posts something that's like, clearly, what are you doing? Like, you have to speak up and say something. And then whether their response is, you know, oh, you know, whether they make a response, you know, that's up to the company. But it's at least like, we're able to say something. Mm-hmm. um and call them out
0: yeah <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah the yeah. industry as a whole doesn't seem very good at uh i the stakeholder interactions but also i've been thinking about this a lot and part of it i think is related to you know kind of their sponsorship model you know mm-hmm. it's like they sponsor you know bike racers or kind of like okay. that's that's their main medium to you know kind of promote cycling And if the bike racing world is largely like white men, then of course, you know, there's not gonna be room for anyone else. So it's almost, I feel like in some ways, intimately tied to like this focus on racing.
1: Right. And if you see only white males racing, then you feel like you can't do it. And then it's just like, the cycle is broken. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is a good point. Mm
0: you know, if, if, if they see, like, okay, our or dollars are best spent, you know, supporting and promoting these, you know, white male racers, and then they do well, and then they see some return from that. um, But, you know, they're also missing out on the bigger chunk of the pie when they look beyond, you know, just racing and all the different types of cycling, all the different types of cyclists that, you know, yeah, that they could engage.
1: And I think that will have to shift. And because women make up, more percentage of people who buy things so <laughs> I mean like data speaking it would just make more sense for them to be more open to representing women mm-hmm. um, and I think like with uh, ambassadors like you can have more like diverse uh, representation and I think there's some companies that have been Trying to promote that, and I I think that's really rad. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And if more companies did that, yeah, that's
0: where that's great. where I think like this, uh, you know, bike packing and bike touring, or you know, that it's it's renewed popularity, um, could be a great gateway to having a more, you know, like you said, mm-hmm. diverse ambassadors or mm-hmm. just diverse, you know, people uh, highlighted in the sport. Um, right. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean it's very niche, but like we're a quirky bunch <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we well, take good photos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Or, well, where do you see, or where, where do you hope to uh, see friends of bikes in the next couple of years?
1: Well, in the next year we're going to be focusing more on bike camping and workshops and education. Um, I think, that was a goal of last year, but, um, you know, we were just starting out. Um, so this year we really want to delve into that. And what we what we learned also from last year is that it's hard for people who've never gone bike camping to just go bike camping. <laughs> 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 like, like you need some sort of um, – you need to facilitate some sort of education. And, like, having things posted on the Internet is not the right way it's not necessarily the right way for everyone um, to learn. So we did host like a workshop before our bike trip last year and that went really well. And I think it built confidence for people to feel that it was okay that they could do this. And there also, we um, had people meet each other. Like if you're going to bike in a group, it's important to know like mm-hmm. who you're riding with and, um, we also offered um, people to exchange um, gear, like or share gear, um, like stoves or tents. And I think that was a great learning experience for Friends on Bikes, and we wanna keep doing that, is having these workshops. So we're gonna be um, collaborating with Komorabi Cycling, uh, which Jocelyn Gaudi started, and it's gonna be a three-part series. Um, where it will be workshops around bike camping, bike packing, like, go through from, like, A to Z of, like, what to do. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) And then we're going to go on an overnight. And I think this, we hope to, it'll decrease the barrier for people who've never done it before. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to do that. Um, We're also going to do one in July, and um, we're going to, Try to do the Olympic uh, route, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a collaboration with the the Seattle group. Um, so we're looking forward to that, and it's a lot more social rides. Again, um, we kicked off last year with like a donut ride, mm-hmm. and I think we want to do that every year because oh. <laughs> we <I> love donuts <laughs> and coffee and it's not just about me. No. <laughs>
0: But um, I'm, I'm curious, like, in, in those uh, classes that you do uh, before the bike camping trip, like, what are, like, the biggest concerns and challenges that, that people ask?
1: I think it's gear. I think um, it's a little easier if it's, like, a bike, biking on pavement where you can um, transfer, like, your commuting panniers to just, like, putting camping stuff in. <laughs> but bikepacking... Um, it's a little more complicated. Like, you need very specific gear Mm -hmm. in order to do it, and you need a very specific bike. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge barrier Mm -hmm. to people who've never seen these things and, like, they don't have the right bike. And I think just, like, wrapping your brain around, like, oh, there is a difference between panniers and, like, a frame bag. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think that is sort of the biggest education and also like bike packing versus like bike touring like what's the difference
0: (laughs) one is more expensive (laughs) than the other (laughs) (laughs) That's actually been like a one of my biggest hang-ups about bike packing is um uh you need a new set of bags and that's just kind of the first step because like the Like the sleeping bag we used on bike when I mean, we were bike touring with painters does not fit in any of it my. Not fit. So it's like holy crap, now I have to you know spend more money on like a ultra light, ultra compact sleeping bag too, and right. yeah, so I can definitely like I mean we get you know some sponsored free stuff, and it's still like a barrier to us. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean unless you're living in like Baja where you don't need a, a tent, yeah. <laughs> you can fit everything in, but for the rest of people it is a big challenge and like then you have like two sets of things yeah (laughs) you have like a sleeping bag and a little sleeping bag (laughs) yeah yeah
0: i think it might it might be an idea for a future video is just kind of the the cost breakdown (laughs) you know
1: yeah for sure i mean you do save money i guess on other expenses like food in a way if you know you can't go to a convenience store you know anytime you're hungry (laughs) yeah (laughs) um you have to like plan ahead and it's usually like rice and beans (laughs) oatmeal (laughs) yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) nice (laughs) um well cool i think we're butting up to uh the time limit here but uh thanks for joining us today and uh thank you guys for watching this video and if you guys have any questions for molly molly leave those in the comments below i'll ask her very nicely to answer them and uh, if you like the video like share subscribe and thanks again molly for joining us
1: thank you for having me
0: so thank you for watching this interview or listening to it if you discovered it via itunes uh don't forget to leave a rating and review it really helps the show out it gives the show visibility And again, if you're interested in supporting it, be sure to check out the show notes. And until next time, ride bikes, travel, and do good.